0: Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Today... Our reading for Easter Sunday is from 1 John 4, 16-21, so listen now for a word from God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because He is, or as He is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from God is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Amen. So Easter, rather than Christmas, is surprisingly always our biggest attendance Sunday of the year. And when people ask me why, I often respond with, with no scientific evidence to back me up whatsoever um, that, that Easter is really the last mostly Christian holiday, and that, that's why we have more attenders. I mean, if you want some substance on Easter besides caramel eggs, you come to church. We don't have as much competition, I mean, besides like a tacky rabbit with Easter, but do not come at me about Christmas. I dislike sharing it with Santa. He's so popular. Um, But the story of Easter um, goes like this, right? So Jesus is killed on Friday in a collaboration of his own religious colleagues and the Roman Empire. Then he's buried in a tomb that evening. On Sunday morning, a handful of female disciples arrive at the tomb early in disappointment and grief, expecting they'll have to add, you know, more spices to keep things fresh and smelling decent. But instead, Mary and Mary and Salome find the stone rolled back. And the women are then sent off as the first apostles to put people on watch. Jesus is alive. He has risen. He's risen indeed. So, If this is a story of Easter, why did we not read it as our scripture reading for today? Um, Why did I have us read some passage from 1 John, which is this tiny letter at the end of the New Testament, and not a gospel story about the resurrection? This spring, we've been going through a series that I affectionately call Steady the Boat. And it's been a series where we've explored how to get through those dark nights of the soul. Some folks might call that deconstruction, others it feels a lot like losing your faith. Um, But there are times in our lives where we look around at what we believe about God or the church or faith and we say, is this it? I'm not so sure. And what's interesting or even ironic about Easter, this, you know, very well attended Resurrection Sunday by folks who rarely show up on other Sundays usually, and that's not a guilt trip, is that this exact story of death and resurrection is often a part of people's faith that falls apart first. In that dark night of the soul, it gets a lot of flack. It draws folks in, but becomes a breaking point sometimes. And it's, it's a story that, depending on how it is told, holds for some a package of fear and shame, so much so that they walk away. Now, I just told you the bare-bones story of Easter, right? I left out like interpretation lens or other than humor, kind of. Um, but many don't receive this story in such a bare way. Many receive this story of the death and resurrection of Jesus with a lens or a leaning toward fear. And the retelling of the Easter story often goes like this. We have sinned, like a lot, <laughs> God doesn't really like sin, so someone has to pay. Jesus, God's son, is the sacrifice that will pay for that sin through his death. And yet, even though Jesus dies, despite us, God's power is so big that the miracle of Jesus coming back to life assures us that God still loves us, even though, you know, we suck. Now, you don't have to go to hell. Congratulations. So this version of the Easter story is traditionally laced with a solid layer of fear and shame and guilt. It's a story of love, but also of drastic measures to satiate an angry godfather. It's a story of love, but also an escape card out of hell. It's a story of love, but don't ever forget it's because you're royally messed up. For the last hundred years or so in America, Often we've encountered this story of Jesus' death and resurrection with this particular lens of fear. Fear is used as a tool to convince people of their guilt or scare them into believing lest they end up in hell. And for most folks, a lot of folks, for good reason, this just doesn't hold up for very long. Perhaps they walk away from the Christian faith because love, under such shame-filled conditions only makes matters worse for mental health or parenting or loving yourself or your neighbor. Or people walk away because they've seen the devastation of a penal system that depends on punishment right in their own backyards in the U.S. prison system. Punishment versus, say, accountability or restoration. It's a model wrapped in recidivism and fear and hate. Mutuality and trust is just lost. Or perhaps folks have walked away because deconstruction, looking critically at their beliefs, shows them that a personal get-out-of-hell card doesn't quite gesture wide enough to reach their neighbors, nor does it result in the most flattering image of God. There are a lot of ways that this story gets interwoven with fear, with shame, and with punishment so that people just walk away. And what I want you to hear this Easter Sunday is that people walk away. Maybe you've walked away because this story was never supposed to be told through a lens of fear. Because no love story can be told from a place of fear. It misses the entire point. So today, instead of reading about the stone rolling away or Mary mistaking Jesus for the gardener or Peter and John kind of huffing it in a footrace to the tomb, some of our, you know, popular resurrection stories, I wanted us to back up and think about how we read those stories, not just what happens in them. So instead, I have offered you 1 John 4, 16 through 21, As what I would call a meta passage, right? This is not an expert term. It's just my term for passages in the Bible that are so powerful and definitive that they inform how we should read other passages in the Bible. Passages in scripture that give us a proper lens for understanding the stories of God. And so after we take off the lens of fear and put on this new lens, I wonder if we'll find a new story that holds more water for us as we start to walk a genuine path of faith, as we start to recover um, some of our faith after pulling it apart. So our passage of scripture for this Easter Sunday, which I read earlier, 1 John, um, it's a very tiny book in the New Testament that's most likely written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of John or at least was part of that same community. And in this first letter of John, you can tell that the author is worried about a few things for his community. He's worried about some beliefs, some community behaviors, but most of all, affecting all of those things, he's really worried about love. The writer needs the people to understand that knowing and believing in God's love is primary. And so he says, God is love. That's God's identity. And if you abide, if you do your day-to-day life remembering love, you're remembering God. And when hard things happen, like facing our mistakes or undergoing suffering, whatever day of judgment looks like for you, when that day comes and we feel the reality of pain, we know we're still wrapped in guess what? Love. Because God's love is first. It's the definition and the reality in which we live and move and have our being. Love is the lens through which we understand God and God's stories. There are actually only two places in the Bible where we're offered like a definition of God. (laughs) I mean, defining God is dangerous, lest we, you know, limit God to our understanding. That's why there's all those like, don't make idols. But there are two times someone risks it and takes that chance in the scriptures. And this is one of those times. God is love so all else must be understood and wrestled with in this lens of love that's part of the first part of our scripture for today this lens that we're trying on love 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 but then the writer goes on to engage in love's biggest challenger right which is fear <laughs> what is not primary for god's community fear What is kind of the oil to the water of love? Fear. There is no fear in love. Love casts out fear. Love and the encounters of love are not told through a framework or a story of fear. That just draws up what? That punishment framework, right? So if you've walked away from or rejected Christianity or really struggled to know what the good news could be, In the narrative of Holy Week, perhaps dethroning fear might be part of the process of coming back to spiritual life. Some of the most important stories of our faith were told to us in that spirit of fear because we're really good at that. Humans are good at fear, right? Like I think about the 24-hour news cycle placing in front of us all the things going wrong, not just in our town, but maybe in a small town in rural Wisconsin or someone's apartment in Southern California or halfway across the world. We're good at pushing the fear narrative. Or you can consider, you know, all those prescription medication ads that convince you that the pain in your elbow is clearly cancer. And that's a classic Chris Holmes fear. For those of you who don't know my spouse, we make fun of him for it. How's your elbow cancer? But we tell a good fear story. But if the stories of God are told in the spirit of fear, ugh, I don't blame you for no longer finding God in those stories. Because love doesn't reside in fear. It doesn't evoke fear. You can look all around, but if it's filled with fear, if someone has replaced love with fear, they've offered God and you an exit strategy. So today, instead of telling the many stories of Jesus's death and resurrection in the various gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want to offer you a framework through which to hear those stories in the future hopefully on other days, right? Like at church or in your own reading or in your life of prayer so that you can hear these stories with the lens of God's love, not the lens of fear. So you can see the cross through the framework of love. That God, not to satiate God's anger like an abuser, but to sit in solidarity with the pain of humanity, underwent a humiliating and unjust death. In love, God now knows what it's like to be betrayed, to fight for justice, to run up against a wall or a system. Jesus' crucifixion is an act of loving solidarity with those who suffer in a gas chamber, at the hands of police brutality, or in the privacy of our own homes, maybe with mental illness or abuse. The death of Jesus is a story of love because even on our worst day, God did not abandon us to our fear, but went to the darkest place we can imagine, death. And God did so not because there was no other option. God didn't set himself up for failure, but because God loved us in this world so deeply, so profoundly that there's just nowhere God will not go to find us. And then this love story continues, right? Beyond Friday's death, we do get to go to Easter, And on Easter morning, from that place of darkness, God transformed our greatest fear into a miracle of new life. God said, oh no, you can still trust in hope. The disciples feared for their safety, yes, their faith in Jesus, even their understanding of God was at stake. But Jesus emerges from the tomb to call Mary by name, to see a woman often overlooked by the people around her and say, Mary. Jesus emerges to comfort his disciples and to help them turn their joy to grief or their grief to joy. Man, got to get that trajectory, right? (laughs) But they came, he came to touch Jesus's wounds and so know the depths of healing that are possible. Jesus returns in a story of love and walks alongside his followers to Emmaus, igniting their hearts to burn within in hope of God's just epic story of love told through the scriptures. Jesus emerges to confirm that the soil, the dirt, the grave is indeed the place from which new life can emerge. So if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Jesus is a story of love. Easter is a story of love. But it's not just a romance involving two people, right? (laughs) The story expands. This is kind of the last part of that scripture, because in each and every gospel story, Jesus calls them to then keep doing exactly what 1 John says is love's next step. It just can't help it. And that is, it moves beyond us and out to our neighbors and siblings around us. Love has an outward motion. The final act of the story in every gospel is an outward motion. In John's gospel, it's where we feed the sheep. In Matthew, we baptize the nations with love. In Luke, we testify to others of hope. Love becomes a story of we and not just me because love is not just a word or a feeling, it's a deed shared among God and God's creation. Those who trust the love story of God are then called to live in love towards those around them. The lens of fear sells, but its currency ends up being hate or fear or uh, all the reasons people walk away from church, right? (laughs) But God knew this. And so we're commanded in the Bible, the most of any other command not to be afraid. So many reminders. So do not let stories of fear masquerade as stories of God. Let the stories you tell be ones of hope instead, a people gathering to protect a forest of trees or a community from flooding. Let the stories you tend be ones of new life, a city ignited by a passion of people willing to stand against gun violence. Let the stories you share offer a way beyond the grave, like seven Ukrainians who arrived only a few months ago in Minnesota and are now last week making the hours-long trip to Mississippi to help with tornado relief. Or tell the story, my friends, on this good, good Easter, of a God who put on flesh, who taught us how to live just a bit closer to the heart of God, and when we were too afraid to, when we sent him to the grave, he came back to convince us otherwise. Amen.